everybody. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth, and Megan is over there with her mic turned around the right way. Listen, it's been a rough week, and sometimes your mic just ends up backwards. I don't even know how to explain it. It just does. <laughs> Do you mind me talking about this? Is this okay on the show? Yeah, we can talk about this. Can we talk, we about, can this? talk about this? Oh, Listen, my gosh. So it's not the most embarrassing thing. We're trying to troubleshoot because Megan's microphone just sounded so different. And then oh, it was bad. we were changing the EQs and messing around. And then I noticed that the switches that are on the back of the microphone were facing her. And I was like, hold up. I think I know what it is. You're talking into the back of your microphone. And she turned that thing around and it was night and day. <laughs> worst part. The worst part is that I recorded a podcast with my mic on backwards. <laughs> We're strictly professionals over here, people. We know oh exactly what we're doing oh, all man. the time. That was the funniest thing. Oh, so glad that happened. Thank you so I needed, much. Needed that laugh for Whew. sure. Yeah, <laughs> as we're we're struggling. Technology, man. It's I think it's just biting everybody in the butt right now, trying to figure out how to do all of this with no experience. Well, we're just over it. Like I'm over trying to figure it out. I'm yeah. over learning it and staring at screens all day. I have watched a significantly less amount of TV and movies because I'm just tired of looking at a screen by the time my work day's done, you know? For real. Like, yeah, do I want to watch something? Nope. I just want to like look at nature. <laughs> yeah. I have read in the past month, this is going to be mm -hmm. super nerdy, but also to the point, I have read three Star Wars novels because I'm so tired of screens. I am actually reading books. Megan. That was like a roller coaster of a sentence for me because it started off with I have read and I was like really excited and then it landed with <laughs> Star Wars novels and I was like, oh, <laughs> I hate business books. I hate them. I hate them so much. They're so freaking boring. And they often are like, this is two chapters worth of information spread out over 15 chapters and 300 pages. Come on. That's fair. This could That's have been an ebook. This is but two they blogs. They really help you. They're very helpful. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, it's like one of my favorite books that also is one of my least favorite books is Made to Stick. Mm -hmm. by oh, Chip yeah. and Dan That's Heath. A good one. Okay. Incredible book. Great concepts. But every chapter is let's look at one of the sticky reasons and let me give you 17 to 25 examples of why that's true. Well, you could have given me two and I'd have been good. I believe you. You know, I see it. That's all I needed. You're and, successful. I trust you. Yeah, you, Just, you've made it work. Yeah. See, that's one of those things, though. I've learned the power of skimming mm -hmm. books like that. Yeah, me like, too. I don't feel bad for skimming stuff because most most books like that, I usually walk away with one or two concepts, applicable concepts that I can actually yes. use. Um, and so I don't have an issue with I don't feel like I'm cheating, but... And I also, I'm more likely to read them because I'm less bored. Yeah, for real. And, 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 and it's like, well, I just need the principles, man. Give me the principle and an example. And then I'm moving on to the next chapter. I might read the first paragraph. The spark, the spark notes version of everything. I do. I, I need to get invested in that because um, I, I, and what's crazy, I'm a fast reader. I'm actually a really good fast reader. I can like I read three Star Wars novels in, in a month. Those are pretty uh, pretty lengthy right yeah the, the no. smaller ones the older ones um 
you're saying that as if I know the difference. Yeah, you know. know. I've you never, know the difference. I've never even seen a Star Wars novel. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Is, is, is it not true that everyone knows about no. Star Wars? No, we no, don't. Just in my universe? Okay. I really live in a galaxy far, far away. I really do. Um, now, these are, are like Texas. 300, 400 pages, maybe. That's that's pretty hefty. But they're the 400. small ones, and there's like no pictures, and there's no pop-ups, and there's, you know, it's not... It's a it's pop-ups? a real it's a real book. It's Do a books real books have pop ups if know. you're not two? <laughs> I don't know. They should. Come okay. on. Be more interesting sometimes. I just I I read fast. I just hate doing it. And you know, when I'm reading a good story, I can read Harry Potter, I can read Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings, I can read um Star Wars novels, good stories, Chronicles of Narnia, I can read that kind of stuff. Good stories, yeah. good good plot, good characters. But business books, the only business books that I have ever absolutely loved have been by Patrick Lencioni. I haven't read any of his books. He creates a fable that teaches you the business principle. Oh, what a genius idea. It's incredible. Like, uh, Ideal Team Player, fantastic read. I happened to listen to it on audiobook, but it was a fantastic read. (laughs) It was a fantastic listen. The and rest of his I'm stuff sure. I've read has been very, very good. Uh, but, but yeah, I can't, I can't do it. I need a story because, and it's about that medium. The book is just, to me, it's boring. It's, it's just, a, it's nice. It's nostalgic. People love books, but um, I'm, I live in the technology world. But now that we're in screens all the time, I just, I crave that book. You know, I crave mm-hmm. the, the tangible thing. Well, you talked about, you you were one of the people talking about when you have a job that's super mental, you need to get out and do something physical. You do. And vice versa. And I think this, that same opposite rule, opposites rule applies. For sure. When you're staring at screens all day, you need to get off of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a good, it's a good investment for my mind. And I think um, it relaxes me better than watching TV does. You know, like we also mm-hmm. take walks now a lot. Uh, uh, Kara and I will walk around the neighborhood from time to time. Some days we don't, some days we do, but it's, it's nice just to get out and talk to people, talk to you, to your wife, talk to someone who can respond back and not, you have to wait for them to message you or or email you yeah. back. And it's just, yeah. it's nice. Um, but there is a future here. There is a future for technology in the church that is unlike any other than it has been before at least. And, Today on the show, I have an interview with Joanna LaFleur, that I'm really excited about, where we talk about some of the things that we've been doing in the church, kind of what she sees, what we both see, kind of as as what's happening, and some of this tech that we're going to probably want to keep when we even do go back. Have you guys gone back to services yet? We have not. We've had one in-person get-together, you know, Um, like a small group kind of in-person situation but nothing nothing over 20 people yeah one of the things we talk about is for small groups especially what is would it look like to have a small group that meets up in person but that allows for zoom members to join or Mm -hmm. to even just try it come observe via zoom yeah you know what would that would that be a, a viable future or would you have a zoom group that usually meets on zoom and only gets together once a month or once a quarter, 
you know, would that work? There's a lot of different ways to work, to work through that. Mm -hmm. Um, we have our small group, we have one person in our small group that has some health concerns and that's exactly what we're doing. We're, we're meeting in person, those of us who feel comfortable meeting in person and then zooming the other person, just like we would normally do if we were mm-hmm. each in our individual homes. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of applications for online church, for small groups, for student ministry, kids ministry, uh, the implementation of YouTube. There's so many things that we've been adding to what we do as and calling it ministry and church, which I think it is. But yes. when we go back, what should we keep? How should we integrate it? And that's what the conversation with Joanna is about. Joanna is a host of a podcast called Future Church. And um, the word made digital is another one of hers. We'll talk about that in the in the interview. But um, Joanna is fantastic. She was at the Insta Summit. Just a really, really bright, brilliant person to talk to about technology and the future of the church. So uh, let's get to that. Let's jump into that conversation. And here is what, uh, what it sounded like when I talked to Joanna LaFleur. My guest today is Joanna LaFleur. Uh, Joanna hosts two podcasts about digital communications in the church. One's called Word Made Digital, and the other is Future Church, and that's where I discovered Joanna. Uh, she's a communications consultant, podcaster, speaker, TV host. Everybody just say hello to Joanna LaFleur. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad that we finally connected to uh, to do this show and um, we got to connect and actually meet a little bit because of the Insta Summit recently. You spoke yeah. at that. That was awesome. That was like a packed few days. I just I kept telling people like this stuff is so there's so much here yeah. <laughs> in it, such a short amount of in such a short videos. There, I hope people like took tons of notes because you couldn't possibly get it all mm-hmm. in your head the first round through. Right. The feedback I got was the same. It was like, I can't believe somebody even was like, I can't believe this is free. And I was like, yeah, it is not anymore. Now you have to get the, the on demand to, to get it. But, um, it was free and that that's crazy. Uh, the speakers and everybody who spoke at that just brought such valuable insight. And, um, so I'm, I'm thankful you got to be part of that and, and bring your insight to that as well. So tell um, tell us well, about, and it's cool even, I'm sorry, just even, is just cool to have so many diverse voices because yeah. like everybody has the thing that they know best. And so when you get that much diversity in one conference, mm-hmm. you're going to get so much good stuff yeah. rather than just hearing one person like go on go on and on yeah <laughs> so anyways for, thanks for running that it was great to be part of it and for with sure all those good people for sure um so you're you're involved in a ton of things you have consulting with churches even on a tv show tell us about the tv show that you're on <laughs> yeah it's the tv show is a canadian show like it's on national tv in canada um i, I mean you could watch it on the internet I, like youtube and stuff okay. i don't even have cable at my house so i can't watch <laughs> my own show on tv that's the truth that's but awesome. uh <laughs> the show is like um a christian it's like the view like, you know, women sitting around a table or a couch um, with guests coming on, interviews, conversation, hot topics, okay, all that kind of stuff. And um, and then I do like a Bible teaching segment on the show as well. Um, okay. So I'll do, I mean, Bible teaching is a generous word. They call me the Bible teacher, but like, what can you do in two or three minutes? Yeah. Not too much. But anyways, <laughs> it's tons of fun. And um, yeah, just like a privilege to kind of enter into people's homes, especially when you hear stories like, 
Um, I watch you twice a day. Like maybe it repeats, I guess, like it like yeah. morning and night or Two, something. I watch you twice a day because I'm going through chemo and I'm not well. So, you know, I just like when it plays, I keep watching and you guys encourage me. So it's just constantly what with whatever we're doing, right? Like, right. I hope we all are thinking like, oh God, whoever may read this, I hope I can encourage them, help them you know, say something that might yeah. push, you know, push them forward today. For sure. I think that's really cool. Um, I don't know a ton of people who are on TV, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> well, it's a dying art form, so. <laughs> it's, uh, it's for the, it's for the special. I tell you that it's, it, everybody's it's, uh, on Instagram now. So. Everybody's on Instagram, but not everybody's on TV. So <laughs> that's kind of, a, that's pretty cool. Uh, well you, you do the podcast. I, I discovered you on future church. I love future church podcast. Um, quick, super short episodes that really bring a lot of value in a short amount of time on communications. And then Word Made Digital, tell, tell me about that. I haven't listened to that one. Tell me about that one. Word Made Digital, I say it's a podcast for creatives and communicators. So I interview people who are in those fields. So okay. a communicator like Carrie uh, Newhoff, a Joe Saxton, a Priscilla Shire, that kind of communicator. Okay. Or a creative like, you, like YouTubers, um, artists, creatives, nice. people who are Christian, but not necessarily working in the church. Okay. So actually, um, you know, an episode that's, um, you know, no, an episode that's just come out, you know, would have been with like the guy who does preachers and sneakers, the Instagram account. Ooh. And so just as an example, cause I know maybe your audience is interested in Instagram stuff, you know, wrestling through this account that blew up overnight and mm -hmm. what, it, why does seeing the expensive shoes on a preacher make us feel funny yeah. we don't know what to do with it like what is this okay is this immoral you know like it it's this wrestle that he's brought to us anyway so yeah. it's a great conversation about that so you and, you interviewed and we're him. coming on the digital kind of coming at it from the digital yeah side so you got to meet that guy and find out who he is that's cool that's true. Actually, yeah, I'm not supposed to say who it was. Yeah, um, no, you don't have to. I can't. I'm, apparently, he's going to come out with a book, and when there's a there's a book that he's working on, and when that comes out, all will be revealed. Yeah. Ooh, that's going big. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that that account is amazing. It is amazing to me. I mean, you're right. It does make us super uncomfortable. And and oh man, that's just kind of the power of digital, right there. Is that it's. He literally has just taken snapshots from famous preachers' Instagram accounts yeah. and made a statement without actually saying much, yeah. you know, and that has well, caused a conversation. That's pretty cool. You know, and I mean, I know this isn't a podcast about preachers and sneakers, but now we're talking about it. It's just something about whatever we post, if it if it's, was sitting in a local context, now, as soon as it goes online, it's like in a global context. Mm -hmm. So maybe that maybe if there was a place in your mind that you were saying, I got these shoes for free because I'm connected to these powerful people who give me free stuff. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I know the guy who makes the fear of God stuff. So he gives it to me. I didn't pay for it, whatever. Yeah. Okay. But like maybe the community you serve locally knows that. And, mm -hmm. you know, everyone under kind of has an understanding of what your life is like because they live yeah. and, and They're serve not with thinking you. about that. But as soon as that picture goes on the internet, nobody has a clue that that's the context. Yep. And so for all of us to remember that when we go online um, and we, ch and when we choose to have any sort of public platform, we can't say we want all the good stuff without the critique. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we just need to think about all that. Yeah. We all do. I think I hope, I hope it helps us look at ourselves as much as it 
yeah. you know, makes us consider these preachers. I think, I think you're <laughs> onto it there. He's like, you have to get, when you're a church or you're a pastor or you're in ministry um, or even an entrepreneur or your business owner, um, what you put online, you have to kind of do it willing to accept the fact that you're going to, somebody's going to take shots at you. That can happen. Yeah. And you have to be ready yeah. for it and be able to handle it. And some it. of them are deserved, yeah. you know? Yeah. Sometimes. So like some criticism, you know, we need to change. Mm. And some criticism, you know, even Carl Lentz himself, he says, we love, we welcome criticism at, at Hillsong, New York, because if they're right, we have an opportunity to change. Yeah. And if, and if we still don't, and we hear the criticism, we still don't agree with it, then it actually just affirms, you know, where we're going or what our values are. Right. And we're heading in a different direction. It's feedback. And so, yeah, it's feedback. Yeah. And so we don't need to be afraid of it, but, but, uh, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting account. Anyways, it's yeah, a whole it week. Well, I'm definitely. Totally, you can go listen to the episode if you want to hear I'm, more about I it. I will. I will link to that episode. I will link yeah, to that sure. episode in the show notes of this one. So, uh, show notes for this one are at SethMuse.com/slash one twenty six. Yeah, one twenty six, and uh, I'll have a link to that episode for preachers and sneakers with yours uh, in there too. So, I'll make sure to get that. Um, this is going to probably air early July. So by this time, churches are probably going back to church or reopening their building, um, or at least making moves and thinking about it real seriously by then, if they haven't already. Um, so you're with churches a lot of times you, 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 you're talking to people about this kind of stuff. So, um, in going back, opening the building, thinking about how digital plays into what we're going to do now that we're doing in person again, what are some of those flags along the way things maybe that we're not thinking about real quick before we get into some of this mm. digital stuff what do we need to really consider as we open those those buildings back up yeah i mean obviously it's a huge huge list and it depends mm -hmm. if we're coming at it you know which direction we're coming at so i live mainly in this comms and digital and world with with you seth so mm -hmm. i mean i'm i'm certainly not an expert in how to talk about HR and staffing and I don't know, financing and should we, you know, buy or rent buildings anymore? You know, I, yeah. that part is maybe not my area of expertise, yeah. but, but even just what we're as a jump off point, even just what we were saying about how, when you put stuff out online, you can have a global audience. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think one of the things we need to consider is that for a lot of churches, even small churches, there have been people who have had a meaningful connection with our church who don't live anywhere near our church yeah. or church locations that we intend to grow uh, physically. And so, you know, even I was talking to a, a, a friend at Garden Church, uh, you know, out in California, and uh, he's talking about that there are now like home church groups that they didn't plan on that are being popped up all over the world. Really, I mean, ultimately just like very far away from where their church is located. And they're trying to figure out how to care for those people now yeah. who feel very much a part of their church. And they have these little gatherings and they're studying scripture together and they're, you know, they would want to be part of it financially, but what does that even mean? How do you serve? How do you have yeah. accountability? All the things you'd want to do in church, it's like messing it up. So, yeah, I mean, just even thinking, um, okay, we're going to, we're going to be opening these physical locations up again. Great. But uh, let's not also then just abandon all these people that have felt deeply connected to us online. You know, what does it look like now yeah. uh, to do both? Right. Um, I think that's you know, good. And, we, and I think, yeah, I think a lot of us have been learning so much too, even just about like what people resonate with in the digital service or church service experience is is not exactly the same as the things that people love 
about the typical things you would have in a live church service experience. Even things like worship being a, a clear example of that. Like a lot of people, I think if they're honest, they're not participating. They're just kind of watching it happen on the video. So like, what does that mean? What are the parts of that? And the um, sound is not online and the sound online of a worship team is not always awesome either. Even if it sounds (laughs) awesome live, the mix going in doesn't always translate to the online. And so it can be pretty distracting uh, if you're not mixing that really well. So there's, there's these factors that, you know, are, uh, we haven't ever really had to, we should have probably addressed that, but something like that for sure. But uh, if you didn't, it it was kind of like, it was all right. It was okay. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, well, I, totally... I mean, that's where like the production teams, I've had buddies who do production at church who are talking and that's again, not my skill set. Yeah. You know, I'm not a sound engineer or anything, but they're saying they feel like they're, they're recording an EP, like a short album mm-hmm. every week, because if you have the capacity in your church to mix music and you've never maybe done that before week to week, but now you have this online thing and, and yeah, to make the music sound not terrible, it requires the mixing expertise of like a production team, um, fixing it, right? (laughs) balancing it all out and all that kind of stuff. Right. And that's a huge amount of work that people aren't, haven't been until this last number of months weren't doing for Mm -hmm. a lot of churches. And you bring up a good point too, about reaching the people, not abandoning the people we've been reaching that we normally may not have because of the online. I mean, my church is, um, a hundred people or so we meet in a school. So, you know, mm-hmm. our building is non-existent. And this, this weekend, uh, my pastor sent me a text that after our service and said, dude, we had three people accept Christ this week. And I was like, what? Wow. That's awesome. You know? And I said, and so my first question obviously was, where do they live? I want, I want to know how that plant panned out. Where do they come in? How did they, how do we find out that, you know, I was, I'm research. And so his answer was one person lives in our neighborhood, which is the name of the church. And then another lives about 25 minutes away in another community, but has a connection to our neighborhood. And the other one's in, in Afghanistan. Wow. So and he's a, I mean, he's a, it's a challenge, yeah. <laughs> discipleship challenge, How because are gonna, we are responsible to care for these people now right? Uh, or to pass them along to those who can. Right. I mean, maybe that's part of my encouragement, too. Mm-hmm. We need to I think the best move forward is to think of it like a bicycle now with two wheels. We were the unicycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're the bicycle, <laughs> you know, two wheeled vehicle of the physical and the virtual happening at the same time now. Right. And, and I think each church needs to strategize about which one they'll emphasize more than the other. And, mm-hmm. and I think partly that has to do with safety measures and the local law. And there's a lot, and, and even just cost, and, you know, there's lots of factors that would go into which one you, um, if it's a, if we're using a bike metaphor, I don't know which one is the, the, the driving wheel. I don't know, like, you know, the leading <laughs> wheel, or the bigger wheel or whatever. My analogy is falling apart. It's a big wheel. But <laughs> yeah, it's a big wheel. <laughs> the bigger wheel, but yeah, the big wheel. Did you, by the way, that makes me think I I'm a child of the eighties. So I had a big wheel. I did too. Do you know what that is? I totally, oh, that's, that's totally what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Totally. what I'm So, talking about. Yeah, I mean, some I, I can see that there are going to be churches who make the decision strategically from what they've learned over this time that the digital is the is the big wheel for them now. That mm-hmm. they see the opportunity. Obviously, there's huge opportunity. That doesn't mean they're going to neglect the gathering together in person. 
um, yeah. that they'll continue to do that, but the emphasis is going to lean in a whole new way for them and into the digital space that you can do seven days a week. Um, and other churches for lots of very legitimate and amazing reasons are going to choose the big wheel still going to be that live in-person experience, especially the Sunday thing. Yeah. And, you know, but then, okay. So, you know, like how do we help, um, connect and resource these people who've connected to us from all over the world? If we're not going to be able to support them ourselves, how do we refer them and be, and be responsible just for the passing of the baton of caring for them and making sure we, you know, it's just, if they live in America, it's as simple as just like doing a little bit of research with because they might not even know what to look for in a local church right? in terms of like, is this uh, like a healthy thing or is this some creepy cult that <laughs> had a good name, you know? So we have maybe a bit more experience. We're able to help them find a place in their hometown to go that might feel and look kind of like what we do. Yeah. Um, that, something, I mean, that's a lot of work, but it, but it's right. It could but, be really, but that's something that's like, there are, there are services for that. You know, there's like church finder type services out there that, you know, I could go into this website and type in a city and get a list of churches and figure out like where they're at and help and recommend some that I know of or develop a relationship with. And um, yeah, it is a little bit extra work, but you know, we're talking about what an, an hour, you know, somebody help, helping yeah. someone find a church that will connect them to the to the, to the body of Christ is not worth an hour. It's worth an hour. You know, it's like, I can, yeah. I can find some research and things for you. I mean, that's my job. Right. So I, I think that's a valuable um, way to look at what going forward is for us online. It's how do we, how do we source the people we can't physically reach with the, these connections? I know there's like, like Jay Cranda at Saddleback is, is the online discipleship path. He's the online campus pastor. So he, coordinates small groups across the nation with people he's never going to meet in person. And, you know, they have a strategy for that. They have curriculum for that. He meets with people. And, um, you know, I think that's, it's something that churches of all sizes have to really consider, like, how are we going to minister to these people that have developed a digital only relationship with us that are far away? I think that's yeah. a smart thing. And I mean, even one of the the things that I talked I've talked about long before we were digital only was I I always say digital first, but mm-hmm. not digital only. Yeah. So what I mean is I would say my approach if I if I come alongside a church would be to help them um think or you know help them think digital is the big wheel. Right. You know, that's that's the, the you know the place we spend. You know, our phones tell us now how many hours a day we spend on them and it's scary. We yeah. spend all this time in the <laughs> digital world. So why not meet people and reach people first where they are? But when I say digital first, it's not digital only because we still need these physical, tangible things. And actually that's one of the things I'm most excited about coming out of the other side of pandemic life is up until now, I think a lot of us have been a little foggy and, and unclear about how much the digital world can replace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what I mean is that I think now that we've all lived through this isolated experience to, to various degrees, I think we're going to be clearer than ever as a generation about what digital or technology things can't do for us, the things they can't replace about physical, real life mm-hmm relationships you know and i think that maybe before we were afraid like well if everything's digital you know no one will want to meet in person and now we've just proven actually that like 
there is amazing stuff that digital can do, which is why I would say digital first, but it's not digital only because we know we all are longing for these things that we haven't had when we were locked down. Yeah. I mean, you know what I miss most? I miss going to Starbucks or Panera Bread and sitting there and working for hours because I just, I just like being around people. I don't necessarily want to interact because I am an introvert, but I definitely like being around them. It does. I'm a little closer to the middle on that, but that environment, I miss it. I miss the freedom of that. And I miss getting together with friends and I miss going to church, man. I really do. I just started going to this church and I really love this church. And I've started to make friends at this church who live really close to me for the first time ever that we want to get with and hang out or first time in a long time. And, you know, it's like, Oh, you gotta stay home. And, and yeah. it sucks. But, yeah. uh, we did, a, we did a zoom game night where we played uh, the Jackbox games streamed on our zoom with a couple of families. And, uh, it was pretty fun. You know, we did things like that, but it's just not the same. I'd rather do that in the living room, but you're right. There's so many things that digital can do that we didn't, that, that we were like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then forced into everything being that. And we're like, okay, too much. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah. enough. Well, and even for those, you know, the reluctant leaders who were nervous, and I think that's not necessarily wrong, that they were nervous about, mm-hmm. well, if we go live stream, are people going to come to church? And, you know, all these big questions, you know, or, or what's lost in that. And people were nervous. I think that's what I mean by it. The, the, the thing I feel so optimistic about the future is we're now marked so much by this experience yes. as a culture that we're going to be real clear as leaders about what can be replaced actually so effectively online. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even better, I could say. Uh, and what, and what, uh, you know, what we still really need each other in person for. It can't be replicated or, or um, made better online. Yeah. It's made worse. What, what <laughs> you know, you even mean? like um, Nikki Gumbel is the guy who, who started alpha if you know the alpha course is like an evangel evangelistic course that's used by like millions of people all around the world to teach about and an open a space for people to ask questions about christianity and he'd set up until now for years that like alpha has to be done in person because it's all based around if you eat a meal together you watch this beautiful film about a big question in life and then you have discussion and so like he just felt like it's going to be violated if we go online well of course now this spring they were everyone was forced to go online and so they tried it by zoom long story short thousands more people signed up than ever before to do it um and number two they got honest and open quicker because they were sitting at home in the comfort of their own space they weren't dealing with extra dynamics of even just like getting childcare and rushing out the door like you you come you're maybe could be a little bit more present in theory, but mm-hmm. especially that openness, people felt a little bit safer to share and like stuff they said that normally took like five weeks to get to. We're doing like week one, week two, people were that open. Wow. Um, so I don't think that means they'll never do in-person stuff again. There's something so special about eating those meals together and right. talking about God, but, but that's cool. But he's now changed his mind as you know, a, and he's a leader who's probably, in his sixties. So even, you know, I love that leaders, we can all change no mm-hmm. matter our age, we can learn new information and change uh, what we do. That's amazing. That's my favorite thing I've heard so far. <laughs> that's just, that's a great story. I love that. Well, you know, well, Gosh. I'll tell you one more thing quick about that. They have um, a marriage course. It's called the marriage course. So alpha, okay. the main thing is, is 
the the target audience is 20 something guys because they thought that they learned that that was the hardest group to reach. So all their materials, their video is all geared. I mean, other people watch it, of course, but it's geared at that guy. Mm -hmm. And they also do another course that's evangelistic in nature called the marriage course. And again, it's like you go on a date night, you work, you talk about your marriage, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, they normally get like at their church, this is a huge church in London, England. They normally get like, I think like 40 couples at a time do this course. They had four thousand couples do the course this spring four thousand signed up it's just wild so i mean it's because people could do it at home and probably people are struggling and probably they had a bit more extra time there's lots of reasons for that but you start like that's like like a huge you know opening of the 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 lid you know to get more more people involved yeah you're raising the ceiling of what you can do that's it astronomically that's amazing um let's talk about the uh the the best hire that every church has made over this period. And that is the new employee named zoom. Um, we we've all hired zoom to do some serious work. And you mentioned that through that we can, we can do something. What are some of these things that going back in where we could do some, some digital meetups in conjunction with, you know, live, what are some things that you're seeing churches get innovative about with just using things like zoom or even social media to, to connect with that personal experience? Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even this example I just gave you, we're talking about this alpha program. I mean, some people are familiar with it and some people aren't depends, mm-hmm. you know, we all have our own tribes, but millions of people around the world have taken this class or this program and now taking it online on zoom, they've seen it exponentially grow. What are the, one of the things that I'm curious about with that, um, the Zoom experience of church, yeah. I guess you could say, is how we're getting used to. Maybe it's maybe it'll fade away quick, but but what happened when we could all see each other as little tiny squares? Some not not big churches, but smaller churches or smaller gatherings of church, yeah. where you could have, or even staff meetings where you have everybody's face on your screen. I'm curious about what that does to how we literally shape the chairs in a room now. Mm. Um, literally like how can we create spaces that aren't just chairs facing forward all the time towards a person at the front. Um, but thinking through, there was some stuff about, about that co- coworker we had called zoom that really helped us. Yeah. And so how can we turn the chairs towards each other a little more, face each other a little more, Yeah. both in staff context. And certainly if there's a, if, if you're in a large staff context, most staff meetings, you're not looking face to face with lots of people. You're looking towards the front of the mm-hmm. meeting, but then, cause there's just too many of you. Uh, but then the other piece of that is, you know, for our community programs and events, what are the ways in which we can have more looking at each other, you know, more of that interaction yeah. and seeing each other's responses, sharing together. Um, I'm curious to see how that will develop more and more. And I think what they were saying was the power of zoom was helping people open up a little more so there might be some things that we used to do in person that we we could experiment with um getting more honest answers yeah (laughs) getting more you know more intimate or or even um just more real if we mm -hmm. don't have to be face to face right and i think you even in the last thing we just talked about you talked about online you know they're in this in this class they're they're finding people going deeper faster because of the the space that they're in and and you mentioned it here too it's like there's something about 
being face to face live, just like you and I are on zoom right now, looking at each other when we talk and it's like, I don't know what it is about this screen here, but it makes me feel less threatened to, to mm -hmm. be honest and reveal things about how I truly feel. And, and there's something disarming about looking face to face at someone and knowing they can see you too. I don't know what that is. I think that's part of that face to face that we're supposed to have, but because like of the way we structure everything that we do, maybe we've hurt ourselves that way. Um, mm. I don't know, but I, I think that's one of the big values of the digital space is that you can learn things about people and, and get to know them on a deeper level pretty quick because uh, they're a little bit more open to share things yeah. online. It's crazy. Well, here, here's one more quick example from a church that I've, you know, been involved with, um, you know, working with is um, it's a smaller church. So again, we're, I don't think, I don't think this could work in a zoom of 500 people or a thousand, you know, but we're talking about, right. a, I think there were have been, you know, max a hundred screens. Um, there was someone in this community leading worship. And they'd had a really tough week. So they're, you know, they're leading, they're playing guitar or whatever. And at, at some point, I think just, there was just so much going on in the world. They really felt quite overcome emotionally. They just, they weren't able to sing anymore. They were playing, but they couldn't like get the words out. Hmm. And this beautiful thing happened totally organically. People began unmuting themselves on the call. And like singing and carrying the song mm. for the person who was leading them and couldn't carry the words themselves. Oh. And it was one of the most beautiful, moving things you could imagine being mm. part of because it was the church being the church, carrying mm -hmm. each other's burdens, you know. And there are some things um, that we should learn from that about when we get back together. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. That is great. Oh, that's good. Um, well, I think that, you know, as we, as we look back, as we look ahead to where we're headed next, um, there are some valuable things happening that I hope the churches will find ways to integrate into the, um, the things happening. One of the main things that I think as we wrap up here that, uh, we've, we've noticed is that there has been an understanding of churches that what we're streaming on Sundays or on the weekends what we had been streaming, just a version of what we were doing in person, that that gathering was created for those who were there and then piped out in case you couldn't be there. That was yeah. kind of the mentality. Going forward, there might need to be a different mentality about what we're piping out for that online audience. So what are you seeing there in church world and where, where, where are we going with that? Yeah, I mean, a really brief, run down the history of communication technology um the technology often there's an even marshall McLuhan, who was famous communication theorist he talked about you know we shape our tools and then in turn they shape us mm -hmm. i'm not sure if he was the first to say it but he certainly said it enough so maybe i'm misquoting him but he used it a lot in his books as a phrase mm -hmm. we shape our tools we make them and then they start to shape what we're like so in the brief history of communications when you think of um, a traditional old little white chapel church. Um, when you think about what it physically looks like, there's a row down the middle and then like an aisle on each side of it. And if you've, most of us, if we've not been taught about it, have never even crossed our mind that that way that a church physically looks 
came about at the same time that books began to be printed on mass. And so literally the architecture of the room is based upon the communication tool that was shaping the people at the time. Yeah. It was linear, it was orderly, it was lined. There's literally like the the crease, crease down the middle There's where you crack spot. open the book. That's yeah. what the churches look like. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, way fast forward, where we're talking about um, churches that the architecture and the shape of churches were really shaped by radio and then were really shaped by television, like um, live broadcasts of a game show, you know, yeah. with these big screens and the guy up front with the good teeth and the good hair and um you know entertainment and lights and i'm not saying any that's bad i'm just saying i'm acknowledging it's shaped, we're shaped it. by the things For we sure. see and the technology we use and um even just the shapes of the rooms began to curve you know kind of you know reflecting a little bit more of that theater and you know um and that is even what i've been saying then about i'm curious about how zoom how we can all see each other mm-hmm. how that might shape um, some of the ways we think about turning the chairs, <laughs> literally right. the chairs, how we might begin to think about how to interact a little more with one another. Maybe that means more smaller, intentionally smaller things, maybe in the areas we live in, that's forcing, it's forcing us to have, you know, only small gatherings. So that will shape us too. But, but I'm curious to see how, what we've learned will continue to shape and us and what this technology is going to do for us. Because Yes. I mean, watching something online, I've seen some churches where just because it's what they know, they got the preacher. Usually it's a guy who's still filming in the stage with the lights, the whole thing. And everybody knows, you know, during the quarantine times that like nobody's in that room, but he's Mm -hmm. preaching like they are. And it just feels like I almost want to like, I wonder if that same message taught like in his living room, um, a little bit like of a lower energy level, or maybe you don't have to change your energy, but, but just in a different kind of environment might've felt more authentic or more genuine than the big stage. I mean, it's part of that is the experiment. Each church needs to find what works for them, right. but I think we shouldn't be afraid to experiment because the online audience doesn't just want a replication of the thing they have in person. The, the audience wants a thing that's shaped by the tool that they're using. Yeah. And so, you know, I just saw an amazing preach um, I work with a woman named Danielle Strickland, who's an author, speaker, evangelist all over the world. And I do I do a bit of work with her. And um, she just did this preach where she was so sick of like talking to a camera in a room with a wall behind her <laughs> that she uh, she went with like her assistant and a gimbal and they filmed it like moving. And she was teaching them about prayer, how she prays, where she prays. They literally went like on a prayer journey with her. And you're outside in nature and she's at her kitchen table and she's moving around. Cool. And uh, all to say it was so powerful because it was acknowledging that the people watching it were living that kind of life right now too, rather than just, uh, it was thinking of the medium, (laughs) not just the message. Yeah. I love that. I love that you, you, you mentioned that in your talk a little bit too, uh, at the Insta Summit, you talked about this a lot and I, I, I've quoted you on that a couple of times since then, but, uh, it's, it's an interesting thought that the medium shapes us. And, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about our current attractional model, even of church, the whole room is set up like that entertainment venue and people have called it that and, and mocked it for that. And, you know, called it a, a foul because of that when really what's happening is it's just being shaped by the culture and the, what we're used to. And now 
what people are used to is that phone and that shaky, raw selfie camera of someone talking. And, and it's like, we're in the middle of that shift of thinking, how's that going to impact what we do in our regular church setting now? How is it going to become something that looks like that? Because I can't see how that would look. And I'm sure everyone would probably feel that way. It's like, I can't see how this, our church will ever resemble anything on TV, you know, but it does. And and it's like, now, how, how are we going to look at that as from a mobile lens and where everyone is facing each other? It's a really interesting thought to see what's happening next because it's really been accelerated by, by COVID-19 and being quarantined in here because it's all we have. And so we're getting a quick, solid look into the future a little bit and uh which we normally don't get yeah and you know oh my goodness like if if that's a you know some of that is a huge undertaking to try new things we're limited resources etc etc so my encouragement would be like you know okay keep the bread and butter you know the main thing if if the sunday thing that's you all you can do is replicate online what's happening in the room okay so what if what if the challenge was just you know, for your church to think of something you release on a Tuesday or a Wednesday that is is specifically designed for online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that might change what you decide to create and where you create it. And, and even like, is it vertical or horizontal? I don't yeah. know. You start to be able to play with all of that. And you might learn some stuff there that you would then start to integrate into the Sunday thing you offer. But yeah. you could try maybe at a lower risk on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I had a church tell me the other day uh, that I work with that they are going to, when they go back to in-person, they're going to continue shooting their message for online on Tuesday. And that's what they're going to put together is a worship set and a message and a, and a program of 35 minutes that they're going to play as a live video for the live stream on their weekend services instead of just filming the live or, and like, yeah. or like having both options kind of thing and I was like that's super interesting that's that's cool if you've got teams you can do that kind of thing awesome you know it's cool that they're thinking of that and they're trying to figure out how to make that work so I'm I'm super excited about what's next I think we're in a we're in a time where the church can be it's a sandbox. I mean, you can just play around, build some stuff, see what, see what happens, see what works. And And the cost of entry is so low. Yeah. So, you know, getting your, you know, getting your phone out and buying a mic for, I mean, you get what you pay for anywhere between 10 and a hundred bucks. You buy a little mic that you can plug into your phone Mm -hmm. and uh, try some stuff for a hundred bucks. You could try building an entirely new service for a hundred (laughs) bucks. I mean, the cost of a microphone, right? (laughs) Uh, which you might already have anyway. So there's the cost of experimenting is low. So take a risk. That's Mm -hmm. always my, you know, my encouragement, try something. Yeah. Because at the end, at the end of the day, I mean, we're not really called as a church to establish a program or a way of doing things. It's, those things are here to serve the purpose of reaching people with the gospel. And if we can find a new way to reach new people or more people, I think it's worth the risk. It's worth trying Mm -hmm. something new, the the criticism or ridicule that might come with it. Um, You know, those are the types of things that we have to look forward, pull pull our head up, you know, instead of looking down, head down and working, lift your head up and see kind of what's coming so that you can make those moves as a leader in your church. I think that's something that we have a rare opportunity now to do that um, 
you know, it's it, like you said, low cost of low barrier of entry, low cost of risk. It could have a high yield for, for actually reaching people with the gospel. Really cool. So, um, well, Joanna, thank you so much. I, I, man, I've, I've, I feel very inspired just sitting here talking to you about this, very excited about the future of the church (laughs) and, uh, your, your podcast is super aptly named. So, uh, for you to be part of that, but tell us where we can connect with you online so that others can, you know, find you and, and continue this conversation if they want. Yeah. All the things are at joannalafleur.com. Um, and, uh, my name is the flower in French, Lafleur. Okay. If that helps you figure out how the heck to spell the thing, but, uh, joannalafleur.com and, you know, on Instagram, on Facebook, all the places I'm at Joanna Lafleur cool. and you'll find links to all the podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I will link to, uh, those, those things as well in the show notes, which you can get at sethmuse.com slash 126. Uh, Joanna, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been awesome. Oh, I'm so glad we finally did this, Seth. Me it's too. so fun to be here with you and just encourage all of these people listening about what is possible and what's coming at us. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, guys, the Seminary of Hard Knocks will be back soon. Thanks for listening. Drop a rating and review in iTunes if you are able to do that or know what that is even. So uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Later.